Welcome to Pit Stop, a show all about cars, engineering, and, well, mostly cars. We're your hosts, Chris Fest, Cameron Daly, Justin Mears, and Bill Ward. And this is um, episode five. five. Yeah. Episode five. All right, we're going to start you off with some news articles. Um, I think it's going to start with Bill. All right, so we've got a, uh, an article here from autoblog.com entitled VW storing around 300,000 diesels at 37 facilities around the United States. And so, uh, of course, there was the big Dieselgate stand- scandal not that long ago. And so uh, one of the problems with this is that uh, Volkswagen has bought back a pretty significantly large number of vehicles. And the question is, well, what do they do with them all? So they're, they're currently storing them in... in uh, these lots across the country, there's about 350,000 of them, and it's cost them about uh, $7.4 billion, I guess, between getting the property and transporting the vehicles and, and every other thing. Wow. This is insane. Um, it's crazy to think about all the things that were left in these 300,000 vehicles. Oh, there's got to be change, toys, yeah. <clears throat> everything you can think of. Yeah, it says here in the article that they're actually planning to buy back a total of 500,000 U.S. vehicles, spending $25 billion. So this is just the beginning. I wonder what their, uh, wonder what their plan is in long term to do with these vehicles, because they can't just leave them there to rot forever. It's going to cost them way too much money to just store them like that. they got to do something with them. Yeah, through December 31st, says they've they reacquired 335,000 of these vehicles, Resold thirteen thousand and destroyed about twenty eight thousand. Wow! And it said they plan to spend more than twenty five billion dollars in the U.S. for claims overall. So I mean, they really got hit hard with this, and it kind of just keeps getting worse. It's but this is not looking good. Yeah, well, they did no. it to themselves. Yep. So I don't know. That kind of wraps this one up. Yep. Cam, you want to start with the? Uh, All right. Next, this? we got the Hennessy Velociraptor six by six. Um, it's basically what they did. They took a Ford F-150 Raptor Super Crew, threw an extra axle on the back, uh, gave it six wheels, and then ramped up the engine and just made it an absolute beast. Um, it shares the same 3.5 liter V6 as the Raptor, uh, but they're actually able to enhance the engine to output 600 horsepower and 622 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, In doing this, they were able to drop the 0 to 60 time to about 4.8 seconds, which is pretty quick for a 7,000-pound truck beast machine thing. (laughs) Yeah, that thing's definitely a beast. Uh, With the two two axles, it's just, it's kind of crazy looking. Yeah, it definitely looks mean. I don't think you'd have a problem going anywhere. No. No, it'll it'll take you anywhere. It's got yeah. a ten ten speed transmission, so you can always have the perfect gear. I mean, it it really looks like it could accomplish a lot. I mean, how about just driving it on the road though, on, on pavement? Mean, a lot of a yeah. lot of wheel noise. Oh yeah. Uh, you can pay a lot of taxes. I mean, uh, tolls on the turnpike with that thing. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. And what's the MSRP on this thing? Three hundred and fifty thousand. Oh, that's it. Like that's, that. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. I mean, that is because it's they paired with Hennessy to make this, who exactly. did all the engine work. And it's not like a Raptor's cheap to begin with. So no. that all went together to make this monster. So for 350 grand, you get yourself a six-wheel truck. Yes, you, you can. Go. You go anywhere. And 
to move on from that. <laughs> for <laughs> anywhere, transition. Yeah, that was so smooth. <laughs> for anywhere between $2,000 to $3,700 a month, you can pay to be part of BMW's new subscription service. Now, what this is basically, you can choose between two different plans. Uh, one, I believe, is called the Legend tier, and the other is the M tier. And basically what you can do is you can use whatever car you want that BMW has. You can cycle between them. If you need a car for the weekend but a truck for the week, you can just go in and swap it off. And, I mean, it's a high price to pay, but for convenience, this might work better for people, and especially people who travel. Um, you can go from lot to lot and pick up a car and go. Yeah, it's definitely a very, very high price to pay. I mean, I'm just thinking, I think I've said on the show before, like, I don't know if personally I would ever see myself buying a new vehicle regardless, just because of the, the high cost and what I see the value in buying a used vehicle. But just trying to put myself in the shoes of someone who's, who's you know, would, would spend like 30, 40 grand for a new car, even that still, that's a lot of money to spend per month. You're, you're talking basically the equivalent of, of buying a new car every year. Exactly. Uh, I'm, although that is, I, I was going to ask you that, and then you ended up going into the details of, of how you can just swap out vehicles whenever you want, pretty much, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's neat. It's uh, probably presents some challenges for uh, for BMW, but... Yeah, well, they've just joined. Um, there's, there's already a number of dealers, or actually car manufacturers, are doing this. There's Cadillac, Porsche, Volvo, Audi... And they all have, you know, different plans you pay differently. Porsche, you play pay a different amount depending on how many uh, vehicles you want to drive, like within uh, your okay, month. Okay, yeah. So <coughs> they're all different. Yeah, there's another thing. This uh, 2000 to 3700 a month, um, this includes taxes, fees, maintenance, full detail washes, million-dollar liability insurance policy, the $1,000 driver deductible, 2,000-mile uh, monthly cap, and roadside assistance service. So it's not like you're just getting the car and you're on your own for all this other stuff. All right. It all kind of lumps it into one. Yeah, I was going to ask some. I was gonna ask about that. That kind of makes it a little more uh, reasonable, I guess. And uh, it makes sense that they put a 2,000-mile monthly cap on it. Yeah. You don't go driving all around the country. And I mean, 24,000 miles a year. I'd say that's probably above average. <laughs> yeah, it's well above average. Yeah, 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 15. A lease is usually 12, 12 yeah. to 15. Yeah. And the last thing I feel like I should say about this is that, you know, it's definitely not for people who get attached to their cars. No, because you're not going to be able to modify it, these You're using it more as a rental. Exactly. It's not yours, but, I mean, it works. I also love that they have a $575 joining fee. Well, you got to be in the club. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> that's like a quarter a, of a monthly payment. That's yeah. not a whole lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> you get like a patch for your jacket or something. <laughs> they'll give yeah. you a jacket. I guarantee, if you ask, they'll give you a jacket. You don't even not just a patch. Are there like cool BMW bars you can go to with right. these things too. Yeah, you got to have the jacket though. Good, good, good. All right, moving on. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to talk about an article here from CarThrottle.com, and. In this article, Tesla defends autopilot again after a fatal Model X crash. Well, what it's saying here is that the driver, Mr. Huang, I believe is what it said, Mr. Wang, um, he was issued several take control warnings from the car, and he didn't. 
and it led to the crash. Um, I believe, yes, he, he didn't make it out of this crash. Um, but yes, yeah, so the car was warning him the systems were, the systems weren't working, but the warning systems were to tell him that it wasn't working. So I think it's, it's not really as big of a hit to the self-driving car as it could be. Yeah, this goes back to when we were talking about in our first episode about how they call it autopilot, but it's not really autopilot. Yeah, exactly. How you still have to pay attention to the road and be ready to take, take control. In this case, the driver obviously was not, yeah. even with the warnings given by the uh, That's system. why That's why Tesla is totally defending the car. I guess it does go to show again, there, like uh, we talked about in, in the past, uh, once you give people autopilot or what you call autopilot that's not really autopilot, and I'm not sure if uh, Tesla actually does that. They might have a different name for it. It might just be colloquially. No, Tesla is oh, they do the actually. autopilot oh, okay. company. Well, either, so either way, once you have anything uh, like that, people, regardless of whether the fact if it says in the manual, there's still potentially... Uh, a requirement for uh, uh, a human driver to interfere. Interfere. That was the word I was looking I for. I figured it was. I didn't know if I was going to be able to find it or not. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't seem like it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess uh, to wrap that point up, once you get once you give someone an autopilot, whether or not you have to interfere with it or not, they're just going to assume that there's zero interference required, and uh, things like this will happen. Unfortunately. All right, now because Justin does know what this one's about. Here we go. Because it's not too long. (laughs) He's going to hit us with the last article. I'm going to butcher this first word, too, so you guys can pick on me on this. We're going to. He's not good at it. I might have it, though. I might surprise you. Come on. If you could go up to the top, that'd be great. (laughs) All right, this one's also from carthrottle.com, and the title of this one is Renault and Nissan might merge to make one company. Close. It's Renault. Renault? Renault. Yeah. Renault. T-Silent. Yeah. And the L, I guess, too. Yeah. I've done worse. Yeah, so. no. You We're getting better. A lot of... I practice my words every day. <laughs> a lot of people screw <laughs> that up. Yeah, your vocab books, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> to sum it up, Renault has, has like a 43% stake in Nissan, while the Japanese company owns 15% of its French partner. Um, they already share engines and platforms, but... Rumored proposals would see a new com- company form. That's about it. I think they, uh, I think they said that one of the uh, potential setbacks uh, that they might run into is that uh, the French government actually owns a somewhat significant share, fifteen percent to be exact, right. in Renault. So um, you know that could be a bit of an issue if they want to go through with a merger like that. But uh, conflict of interest, almost. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how that would be dealt with, but. I don't know. I mean, Renault is obviously not a uh, manufacturer that really has any impact in the market here in the U.S. Not they're yet. No, they're trying to move in. Yeah. Okay. They'll be trying to move back, just like uh, Alpha and Fiat. Have. Right. Yeah. So I don't. You know, it's one of those things that right now seems like it could just be irrelevant just, to yeah. us. But but it could hit us. So exactly. that's why we're telling. It might not necessarily be the case in the future. Yeah. Well, that kind of wraps it up for our news. Um, now on to tech talk. <laughs> All right, so we're uh, we're gonna discuss the uh, the 2018 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon. 
Ooh. And uh, yeah, it's got some. Uh, it's extremely demonic. No questions about it. <laughs> um, so for those of you who uh, who aren't familiar uh, with the uh, with the Mopar uh, muscle car uh, scene, uh, basically what the demon is is it's like the the souped up version of the Challenger, and this one is extremely souped up. They've got a ton of really really interesting features. So right off the bat, one of the uh, the neatest features that they have is that it's actually capable of running on uh, pump gas or uh, race gas. Obviously, with a uh, with a production vehicle, you you can't possibly expect it to only run on race gas for a variety of reasons. Race gas is not cheap, and depending Hard where you live, not easy to get either. <laughs> the way you unlock this uh, unlock this feature is uh, through the Demon Crate, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but it includes a new engine control unit where at the push of a button in the cabin, you can change between fuel modes, I guess. Yeah, it changes the fuel mapping of the car. Yeah, and that's a neat, fe- and that's not something that's new at all, but that's just something that's really neat about fuel-injected and computer-controlled vehicles is you can change so many different parameters like that. By the really? push of a button. Exactly. Really. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the Demon Crate? All right, yeah, so the Demon Crate. When you buy your new Demon, you have an option they call it a special box or the demon crate. <laughs> <laughs> is it a demon crate? I don't. I don't know. Is it a crate? Maybe a special box it's of some sort. Either a crate or a box. <laughs> it doesn't something. look like a crate. Anyway, what comes in the crate is <laughs> the ECU that we mentioned for the racing gas, uh, a new central plate for the dashboard. Um, you've got a high flow air filter, skinny front wheels used at a drag strip. A low temperature thermostat, 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 uh, and a cover plate for the passenger side door mirror mount, so you can remove the unnecessary mirror. So you're just base, so you can drag race faster. So basically, much. you carry the special box around with you, and then if you're gonna drag race, it's got all the stuff in it. Yeah, to it's hook basically up your car. It's basically it looks like, like this. Yeah, it looks like this box won't even fit in the car. It's about the size of a pallet. Yeah, so actually, actually you Dodge, need a truck to follow actually you. Actually, Dodge has yeah. got you covered. The, the foam insert lining the crate actually fits in the trunk and provides oh. a secure way to transport the goodies. Oh, so you okay. can't actually carry your special <laughs> box with you. You can't take the box, but you can take the contents. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. At least also, you have a place to put it in your garage or something if you want to take it out. Now, I wonder car. how much uh, this whole thing costs. There's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't mention it. I'm sure it does in the last line. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> Just skip that part. <laughs> skip that part. What you can get this crate for just a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm being I mean, shamed. If, yeah. if, you're paying, if you're paying that much for the car. Do we know how much the car Why is? Why is it even an option at that point? That. Well, let's talk <laughs> about the, um, the, the fuel transfer system because it is tech talk. Um, so it's saying you basically, you you replace the central plate in the dashboard with one with your HO button. and octane for the layperson. There you go. And so after you hit that, it'll start mapping to draw from your race fuel instead and uh, increase the increase your power and your throttle response and whatnot. All that fun stuff. Yeah. So another, uh, another one, that, this was what I thought was the most interesting feature of all in this, is that they've got a... Uh, Interesting way of achieving intercooling for their uh, their forced induction system. Of course, the the Demon and, and a lot of the other, um, I think all the Mopar uh, 
muscle cars are uh, uh, their force induction is, is by means of a supercharger and uh, so quick uh, crash course uh, forced induction crash course Crash uh, course. Crash course. Just say crash course. I know. Oh uh, <laughs> crash course. Uh, well, when, when you uh, when you pressurize your intake, whether it's with a supercharger or a, or, or a turbo, uh, generally speaking, a lot of heat is uh, developed, and heat isn't good uh, for a variety of reasons. But the main being is that it's less dense than cooler air, and if you have a, a less dense intake charge, that means there's less oxygen, and that means you can burn less fuel, and therefore uh, produce less power. And so uh, the uh, solution to that is usually some type of intercooler. Sometimes they've got an air-to-air intercooler, which is basically just like a radiator with air flowing through it. Sometimes they've got uh, water-to-air intercoolers. So you have uh, uh, not necessarily water, but some kind of liquid flowing through this intercooler. And uh, so what Dodge has decided to do is this liquid is actually going to be uh, refrigerant. So your AC compressor is going to come kick on just like it would uh, for your normal AC, and it's actually going to circulate um, refrigerant through this uh, intercooler and supposedly lower the inter- uh, intake air temperature by 45 degrees, which is pretty significant. And Very significant. Pretty, pretty ingenious. Yeah. I've never heard of uh, it, it. When you think about it, it doesn't seem like, that groundbreaking of a concept, but I That's think a, they're the first ones to have ever done it. Yeah, 45 degrees is a lot. Yeah, it is. One of their other key things uh, for the Hellcat is the big gulp front end. <laughs> big gulps, huh? <laughs> big, big gulps. gulps. I'd so, love well, some big gulps. Later. So my guy here, the car, the car is going to be taking big gulps of air. So... Uh, <laughs> Basically, they've they've designed the whole front end <laughs> to take in as much air. I'm gonna keep talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's one per side with holes in the center of the headlights, so even they'll take in air. Um, it's also fit with an air grabber hood, which is another big vent on the top of the hood, and that's all to feed into this cold air intake and give more power. <laughs> It should take in about 1,100 cubic feet of air per minute. That so. sounds like a lot of air. I don't. Yeah. I should, but I don't know offhand like how much a normal engine it takes. Yeah, not a big gulp like that. that. But that yeah. sounds like a lot of air. <laughs> Combination with the uh, the chilled intake that we just talked about, it's going to be some dense air too. Oh yeah. Yes. So with great power shoot. comes great responsibility, and Dodge here has beefed up the axles with more splines, uh, stronger differential housing, and upgraded drive shafts, which seems kind of typical. Yeah, you gotta uh, really- Now um, you're throwing 800 horsepower yeah. out of You gotta do a lot wheels. to take the power, keep the car from just rattling or ripping itself apart. Um, and then this other point is uh, there had to fit special tires um, because of the amount of shear that it, one of these wheels is taking when it takes off from the start. Um, there's a picture here of the tire totally rippled. Um, I'm assuming it's a takeoff. This will be probably the picture we put up for our um, our thumbnail for the episode, just so you can see what we're talking about because it's crazy looking to see this amount of power hitting the hitting the asphalt all at once. All right, now to kind of wrap up that nonsense, we're gonna finish tech talk with that. Um, we're gonna move on to the car to look out for for this week. All right, well, 
car to look out for this week is the 2019 Toyota Supra. Yes, they are bringing it back. Here we go. The Supra is going to be based off of the BMW Z4. Supra is going to have an automatic transmission in comparison. Turbo, uh, the Supra is going to share the 3.0 liter turbo inline six with the BMW Z4. Um, that engine puts out 335 horsepower, 332 pound-foot of torque, and an additional 75 pound-foot on overboost. That's not a 75. That's a 37. Did I just say 75? Yes, All right, you did. So 37 <laughs> pound-foot on overboost. Um, this will match up with most of the um, cars in BMW's lineup that end with a 40i, um, as well as the M240i, which is their race version of the 2 Series. I'm, I'm kind of surprised this, they're not putting something in it with more power. Well, I mean, It's a pretty small car. Yeah. Imagine it's probably going to be close to size with the Z4. This is true. Not a big car to begin with. I wonder, how much did the original Supra, how much power did the original Supra put out? I don't know when I made it stock. I know they get a ton of power out of them aftermarket. Right. Oh, yeah. But those I would say like, maybe two-something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, That's the 2JZ motor, right? Correct. Yeah. Sounds right, yeah. Don't they build one of those in Fast and Furious? I'm yep. sure they do. Yeah, that's, yeah. Paul, that's Paul Walker's Paul car. Yeah, the first yep. one. Yeah, now, I, maybe I, like, something just went right over my head here, but what what is, like, the whole, uh, why why is it going to be based on a Z4 if Toyota is making it? What, what do they have to do with BMW? Toyota has a lot of um, engine development collaboration with BMW. Okay. So yeah, right now they're working on tie. engines and lithium-ion batteries together. As well as a new rear-wheel drive platform. Yeah, I knew there was something else. Well, the rear-wheel drive platform, they'll probably want to pull that in because I think they want to change this. They don't want it to be a more expensive version of the FRS or the GT86, whichever you call it. Um, So they kind of want it to be its own sports car and definitely faster and better performing. The original 2JZ motor put out about 325 horsepower and also 325 foot-pounds of torque so it's pretty similar similar. it's about eight more than that in both so you could pretty much say they're they're this similar they're the same well they're saying the z4 is going to have 32 pound 3200 pound curb weight so that's that's pretty light you know super should be super should be similar Definitely. If they base that platform off it. It'll be interesting to see what companies do to this car. In the yeah, it says here the Super might even be lighter. Yeah. Because it's uh, only going to be a hard top, no convertible. Unlike the Z4, which will be offered. And I'm sure convertible. Toyota uh, body panels are usually lighter, too. So that's interesting. Good looking car. And when are we uh, sure. When are we going to expect to see this? 2019. Yeah, they're going to start production in 2018. Doesn't say when specifically. And what uh, what are we looking at for a uh, for a base price on it? Is that uh, has that been released yet? Well, Z four is sixty to seventy range, so I'd expect this similar. Probably a little lower, being Toyota. Does not say. Yeah, they don't have a price, so I'd go by go by that. Sixty to seventy. That sounds fair. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about for this this car to look out for is the fact that they are probably not going to offer it with a manual transmission. Oh, man. I mean, I think that's kind of sad. Yeah, that's a a shame. I mean, I'm always 
sad any anytime I hear about that any any card that they either discontinue or just decide not to uh, offer uh, a manual anymore and that's where my heart lies I think it just yeah it takes away from the driving experience especially if you're gonna spend this kind of money on a sports car yeah for sure you should have that I feel like they should have the option for a manual yeah. car but I mean I'm sure that it's probably going to be a dual clutch paddle shifters the whole nine yards with that mm-hmm. but uh, I mean for me I'm a purist. I'd rather just have a manual, six speed. Well, you're not gonna get it, so. <laughs> nope. Yep. Oh well. Guess you'll have to get the Z4. Yeah. Guess that will have a manual. You'll have to settle, right? Yeah. Settle for the, the BMW. <laughs> previous super fans were not asking for a manual gearbox in this one, so there it is. No more manual. Yeah. Way. Well, a lot of people like the response of the uh, automatic. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. For for people who are just driving it every day, and then you Definitely. switch in regular drive mode and you can go through the city you know it's it's more convenient there so i mean it makes sense but i'm excited to see the car come out um i didn't like the look of the original supra but i really like this one that's my take on it anything else no i think that's uh that's about going to wrap up this episode yes it is so we'll see you guys uh in two weeks from now or, or hear you guys no, we won't. You'll hear us. Yeah, well, thanks to listen. Thanks to listen. Yeah, thanks, th- thanks for, thanks for thanks, thanks to listen. Yeah, thanks to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. We'll see you later. <laughs> Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and Lincolns was setting the pace? That story is true. I'm here to say I was driving that Model A. It's got a Lincoln motor and it's really souped up. That Model A body makes it look like a pup. It's got eight cylinders and uses them all. Got over-